Chapter fifty eight, part one of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six, by Francois Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty eight. Louis the sixteenth. France at home. Ministry of Monsieur Necker. Seventeen seventy six to seventeen eighty one. Part one. We have followed the course of good and bad fortune. We have exhibited France engaged abroad in a policy at the same time bold and generous, proceeding from rancor as well as from the sympathetic enthusiasm of the nation. We have seen the war at first feebly waged, soon extending over every sea and into the most distant colonies of the belligerents, though the European continent was not attacked at any point save the barren rock of gibraltar we have seen the just cause of the united states triumphant and freedom established in the new world it is time to inquire what new shocks had been undergone by france whilst she was supporting far away the quarrel of the revolted colonies and what new burdens had come to be added to the load of difficulties and deceptions which she had seemed to forget whilst she was fighting england at so many different points it was not without great efforts that france had acquired the generous fame of securing to her allies blessings which she did not herself yet possess to their full extent great hopes and powers fresh and young had been exhausted in the struggle at the close of the american war m necker was played out politically as well as m turgot it was not to supersede the great minister who had fallen that the Genevese banker had been called to office. M. de Maurepas was still powerful, still up and doing. He loved power, in spite of his real levity and his apparent neglectfulness. M. Turgot had often galled him, had sometimes forced his hand. M. de Cligny, who took the place of the Comptroller-General, had no passion for reform, and cared for nothing but leading, at the Treasury's expense, a magnificently scandalous life m de malesherbes had been succeeded in the king's household by marquis amelot at any rate said m de maurepas nobody will accuse me of having picked him out for his wits profoundly shocked at the irreligious tendencies of the philosophers the court was nevertheless aweary of the theoricians and of their essays in reform it welcomed the new ministers with delight without fuss and as if by a natural recurrence to ancient usage the edict relative to forced labour was suspended the anxieties of the noblesse and of the clergy subsided the peasantry knew nothing yet of m turgot's fall but they soon found out that the evils from which they had imagined they were delivered continued to press upon them with all their weight for their only consolation cluny opened to them the fatal and disgraceful chances of the lottery which became a royal institution to avoid the remonstrances of parliament the comptroller-general established the new enterprise by a simple decree of the council Quote, the entries being voluntary the lottery is no tax and can dispense within registration End quote. it was said it was only seventy-five years later in eighteen forty one under the government of king louis philippe and the ministry of m humann that the lottery was abolished 
and this scandalous source of revenue forbidden to the treasury so much moral weakness and political changeableness so much poltroonery or indulgence towards evil and blind passions disquieted serious minds and profoundly shook the public credit the dutch refused to carry out the loan for sixty millions which they had negotiated with m turgot the discount fund or caisse d'escompte founded by him brought in very slowly but a moderate portion of the assets required to feed it the king alone was ignorant of the prodigalities and irregularities of his minister m de maurepas began to be uneasy at the public discontent he thought of superseding the comptroller-general the latter had been ill for some time on the twenty second of october he died by the advice of m de maurepas the king sent for m necker james necker was born at geneva in seventeen thirty two engaging in business without any personal taste for it and by his father's wish he had been successful in his enterprises at forty he was a rich man and his banking-house enjoyed great credit when he retired from business in seventeen seventy two in order to devote himself to occupations more in accordance with his natural inclinations he was ambitious and disinterested the great operations in which he had been concerned had made his name known he had propped up the compagnie des indes nearly falling to pieces and his financial resources had often ministered to the necessities of the state Quote, we entreat your assistance in the day of need wrote abbe terre when he was comptroller-general deign to come to our assistance with the sum which is absolutely necessary on ceasing to be a banker necker soon gave indications of the direction in which his thoughts turned he wrote an indifferent bloge de colbert crowned by the french academy in seventeen seventy three he believed that he was destined to wear the mantle of louis the fourteenth's great minister society and public opinion exercised an ever-increasing influence in the eighteenth century m necker managed to turn it to account he had married in seventeen sixty four mademoiselle suzanne curchot a swiss pastor's daughter pretty well informed and passionately devoted to her husband his successes and his fame the respectable talents the liberality the large scale of living of m and madame necker attracted round them the literary and philosophical circle the religious principles the somewhat stiff propriety of madame necker maintained in her drawing-room an intelligent and becoming gravity which was in strong contrast with the licentious and irreligious frivolity of the conversations customary among the philosophers as well as the courtiers madame necker paid continuous and laborious attention to the duties of society she was not a frenchwoman and she was uncomfortably conscious of it Quote, when i came to this country she wrote to one of her fair friends i thought that literature was the key to everything that a man cultivated his mind with books only and was great by knowledge only undeceived by the very fact of her admiration for her husband who had not found leisure to give himself up to his natural taste for literature and who remained rather unfamiliar with it she made it her whole desire to be of good service to him in the society in which she had been called upon to live with him Quote, 
i hadn't a word to say in society she writes i didn't even know its language obliged as a woman to captivate people's minds i was ignorant how many shades there are of self-love and i offended it when i thought i was flattering it always striking wrong notes and never hitting it off i saw that my old ideas would never accord with those i was obliged to acquire so i have hid my little capital away never to see it again and set about working for my living and getting together a little stock if i can wit and knowledge thus painfully achieved are usually devoid of grace and charm madame du defant made this a reproach against m necker as well as his wife quote, you wants one quality that which is most conducive to agreeability a certain readiness which as it were provides wits for those with whom one talks he doesn't help to bring out what one thinks and one is more stupid with him than one is all alone or with other folks people of talent nevertheless thronged about m and madame necker diderot often went to see them galliani reynal abbe morellot m suard quite young yet were frequenters of the house condorcet did not set foot in it passionately enlisted as he was amongst the disciples of m turgot who were hostile to his successor bernardin de st pierre never went thither again from the day when the reading of paul and virginia had sent the company to sleep Quote, at first everybody listens in silence says m aimé martin by degrees attention flags people whisper people yawn nobody listens any more m de buffon looks at his watch and asks for his carriage the nearest of the door slips out thomas falls asleep m necker smiles to see the ladies crying and the ladies ashamed of their tears dare not acknowledge that they have been interested the persistent admiration of the general public and fifty imitations of paul and virginia published in a single year were soon to avenge bernardin de st pierre for the disdainful yawns of the philosophers it is pretty certain that madame necker's daughter little germaine if she were present at the reading did not fall asleep as m thomas did and that she was not ashamed of her tears next to m buffon to whom madame had vowed a sort of cult and who was still writing to this faithful friend when he was near his last gasp m thomas had more right than anybody to fall asleep at her house if he thought fit marmontel alone shared with him the really intimate friendship of m and madame necker the former had given up tragedies and moral tales a pupil of voltaire without the splendour and inexhaustible vigour of his master he was less prone to license and his feelings were more serious he was at that time correcting his elements de literature but lately published in the encyclopedie and commencing the memoire d'un père pour servir de l'instruction de ses enfants thomas was editing his éloge sometimes full of eloquence often subtle and delicate always long unexceptionable and wearisome his noble character had won him the sincere esteem and affection of madame necker 
she laboriously anxious about the duties politeness requires from the mistress of a house went so far as to write down in her tablets quote, to re-compliment m thomas more strongly on the song of france in his poem of pierre le grand end quote. she paid him more precious homage when she wrote to him quote, we were united in our youth in every honourable way let us be more than ever united now when ripe age which diminishes the vivacity of impressions augments the force of habit and let us be more than ever necessary to one another when we live no longer save in the past and in the future for as regards myself i in anticipation lay no store by the approbation of the circles which will surround us in our old age and i desire nothing among posterity but a tomb to which i may precede m necker and on which you will write the epitaph such resting-place will be dearer to me than that among the poplars which cover the ashes of rousseau it was desirable to show what sort of society cultivated and virtuous lively and serious all in one the new minister whom louis the sixteenth had just called to his side had managed to get about him though friendly with the philosophers he did not belong to them and his wife's piety frequently irked them Quote, the conversation was a little constrained through the strictness of madame necker says abbe morellet many subjects could not be touched upon in her presence and she was particularly hurt by freedom in religious opinions practical acquaintance with business had put m necker on his guard against the chimerical theories of the economists rousseau had exercised more influence over his mind the philosopher's wrath against civilization seemed to have spread to the banker when the latter wrote in his traite sur le commerce des grains quote, one would say that a small number of men after dividing the land between them had made laws of union and security against the multitude just as they would have made for themselves shelters in the woods against the wild beasts what concern of ours are your laws of property the most numerous class of citizens might say we possess nothing your laws of right and wrong we have nothing to defend your laws of liberty if we do not work to-morrow we shall die public opinion was favourable to m necker his promotion was well received it presented however great difficulties he had been a banker and hitherto the controllers-general had all belonged to the class of magistrates or superintendents he was a protestant and as such could not hold any office the clergy were in commotion they tried certain remonstrances quote, we will give him up to you said m de maurepas if you undertake to pay the debts of the state the opposition of the church however closed to the new minister an important opening at first director of the treasury then director-general of finance m necker never received the title of controller-general and was not admitted to the council from the outset with a disinterestedness not devoid of ostentation he had declined the salary attached to his functions the courtiers looked at one another in astonishment quote, it is easy to see that he is a foreigner a republican and a protestant people said m de maurepas laughed 
Quote, M. Necker, he declared, is a maker of gold. He has introduced the philosopher's stone into the kingdom. This was for a long while the feeling throughout France. Quote, no bankruptcies, no imposts, no loans, M. Turgot had said, and had looked to economy alone for the resources necessary to restore the finances. Bolder and less scrupulous, M. Necker, who had no idea of having recourse to either bankruptcy or imposts, made unreserved use of the system of loans. During the five years that his ministry lasted, the success of loans he contracted amounted to nearly five hundred million livres. There was no security given to ensure its repayment to the lenders. The mere confidence felt in the minister's ability and honesty had caused the money to flow into the treasury. M. Necker did not stop there. A foreigner by birth, he felt no respect for the great tradition of French administration. Practiced in the handling of funds, he had conceived as to the internal government of the finances theories opposed to the old system. The superintendents established a while ago by Richelieu had become powerful in the central administration as well as in the provinces, and the controller-general was in the habit of accounting with them. They nearly all belonged to old and notable families. Some of them had attracted the public regard and esteem. The new minister suppressed several offices and diminished the importance of some others. He had taken away from M. Trudaine, administrator of gables and heavy revenues, or grosse ferme, the right of doing business with the king. M. Trudaine sent in his resignation. He was much respected, and this reform was not approved of. Quote, M. Necker, people said, wants to be assisted by none but removable slaves. At the same time, the treasurers-general, numbering forty-eight, were reduced to a dozen, and the twenty-seven treasurers of marine and war to two. The farmings-general of taxes were renewed, with an advantage to the treasury of fifteen millions. The posts at court likewise underwent reform. The courtiers saw at one blow the improper sources of their revenues in the financial administration cut off, and obsolete and ridiculous appointments to which numerous pensions were attached reduced. Quote, Acquisitions of posts, projects of marriage or education, unforeseen losses, abortive hopes, all such matters had become an occasion for having recourse to the sovereign's munificence, writes M. Necker. One would have said that the royal treasury was bound to do all the wheedling, all the smoothing down, all the reparation, and as the method of pensions, though pushed to the uttermost, the king was at that time dispersing in that way some twenty-eight millions of livres, could not satisfy all claims, or sufficiently gratify shameful cupidity, other devices had been hit upon, and would have gone on being hit upon every day. Interests in the collection of taxes, in the customs, in army supplies, in the stores, in many pay offices, in markets of every kind, and even in the furnishing of hospitals, all was fair game, all was worthy of the attention of persons often from their position the most above any business of the kind. End quote. 
the discontent of the great financiers and that of the courtiers was becoming every day more noisy without as yet shaking the credit of m necker m necker wants to govern the kingdom of france like his little republic of geneva people said he is making a desert round the king each loan is the recompense for something destroyed just so answered m de maurepas he gives us millions provided that we allow him to suppress certain offices and if he were to ask permission to have the superintendent's heads cut off quote, perhaps we should give it him said the veteran minister laughing quote, find us the philosopher's stone as he has done and i promise you that his majesty will have you into the ministry that very day m necker did not indulge in illusions he owed to the embarrassments of the government and to the new burdens created by the american war a complaisance which his bold attempts would not have met with under other circumstances Quote, nobody will ever know he himself said the steadfastness i found necessary i still recall that long and dark staircase of m de maurepas which i mounted in fear and sadness uncertain of succeeding with him as to some new idea which i had in my mind and which aimed most frequently at obtaining an increase of revenue by some just but severe operation i still recall that upstairs closet beneath the roof of versailles but over the rooms and from its smallness and its situation seeming to be really a superfine extract and abstract of all vanities and ambitions it was there that reform and economy had to be discussed with a minister grown old in the pomps and usages of the court i remember all the delicate management i had to employ to succeed after many a rebuff at last i would obtain some indulgences for the commonwealth i obtained them i could easily see as recompense for the resources i had found during the war i met with more courage in dealing with the king young and virtuous he could and would hear all the queen too lent me a favourable ear but all around their majesties in court and city to how much enmity and hatred did i not expose myself there were all kinds of influence and power which i had to oppose with firmness there were all sorts of interested factions with which i had to fight in this perpetual struggle Quote, alas madame necker would say my heart and my regrets are ever yearning for a world in which beneficence should be the first of virtues what reflections do i not make on our own particular case i thought to see a golden age under so pure an administration i see only an age of iron all resolves itself into doing as little harm as possible oh the grievous bitterness of past illusions madame necker consoled herself for the enmity of the court and for the impotence of that beneficence which had been her dream by undertaking on her own account a difficult reform that of the hospitals of paris scenes as yet of an almost savage disorderliness the sight of sick dead and dying huddled together in the same bed had excited the horror and the pity of madame necker she opened a little hospital supported at her expense and under her own direction which still bears the name of necker hospital 
and which served as a model for the reforms attempted in the great public establishments m necker could not deny himself the pleasure of rendering homage to his wife's efforts in a report to the king the ridicule thrown upon this honest but injudicious gush of conjugal pride proved the truth of what madame necker herself said quote, i did not know the language of this country what was called frankness in switzerland became egotism at paris the active charity of madame necker had won her the esteem of the archbishop of paris christopher de beaumont a virtuous fanatical priest he had gained a great lawsuit against the city of paris which had to pay him a sum of three hundred thousand livres Quote, it is our wish said the archbishop that m necker should dispose of these funds to the greatest advantage for the state trusting to his zeal his love of good and his wisdom for the most useful employment of the said funds and desiring further that no account be required of him as to such employment by any person whatsoever the prelate's three hundred thousand livres were devoted to the internal repairs of the hotel dieu quote, how is it people asked that the archbishop thinks so highly of m necker and even dines with him quote, oh answered the wicked wags it is because m necker is not a jansenist he is only a protestant notwithstanding this unusual tolerance on the part of christopher de beaumont his protestantism often placed m necker in an awkward position quote, the title of liberator of your protestant brethren would be a flattering one for you said one of the pamphlets of the day and it would be yours forever if you could manage to obtain for them a civil existence to procure for them the privileges of a citizen liberty and tolerance you are sure of a diminution in the power of the clergy your vigorous edict regarding hospitals will pave the way for the ruin of their credit and their wealth you have opened the trenches against them the great blow has been struck all else will not fail to succumb you will put all the credit of the state and all the money of france in the hands of protestant bankers genevese english and dutch contempt will be the lot of the clergy your brethren will be held in consideration these points of view are full of genius you will bring great address to bear upon them M. Necker was at the same time accused of being favourable to England. Quote, M. Necker is our best and our last friend on the continent, Burke had said in the House of Commons. Knowing better than anybody the burdens which the war imposed upon the state, and which he alone had managed to find the means of supporting, M. Necker desired peace. It was for Catholics and philosophers that the honour was reserved of restoring to protestants the first right of citizens recognition of their marriages and a civil status for their children the court the parliaments and the financiers were leagued against m necker quote, who pray is this adventurer cried the fiery epremenil who is this charlatan who dares to mete out the patriotism of the french magistracy who dares to suppose them lukewarm in their attachments and to denounce them to a young king the assessment of the twentieths a tax had raised great storms the mass of citizens were taxed rigorously 
but the privileged had preserved the right of themselves making a declaration of their possessions a decree of the council ordered verification of the income from properties the parliaments burst out into remonstrances quote, every owner of property has the right to grant subsidies by himself or by his representatives said the parliament of paris if you do not exercise this right as a member of a national body it must be reverted to indirectly otherwise he is no longer master of his own he is no longer undisturbed owner confidence in personal declarations then is the only indemnity for the right which the nation has not exercised but has not lost of itself granting and assessing the twentieth a bold principle even in a free state and one on which the income tax rests in england but an untenable principle without absolute equality on the part of all citizens and a common right to have their consent asked to the imposts laid upon them m necker did not belong to the court he had never lived there he did not set foot therein when he became minister a while ago colbert and louvois had founded families and taken rank among the great lords who were jealous of their power and their wealth under louis the sixteenth the court itself was divided and one of the queen's particular friends baron de bezenval said without mincing the matter in his memoir quote, i grant that the depredations of the great lords who are at the head of the king's household are enormous revolting necker has on his side the depreciation into which the great lords have fallen it is such that they are certainly not to be dreaded and that their opinion does not deserve to be taken into consideration in any political speculation m necker had a regard for public opinion indeed he attached great importance to it but he took its influence to be more extensive and its authority to rest on a broader bottom than the court or the parliaments would allow quote, the social spirit the love of regard and of praise said he have raised up in france a tribunal at which all men who draw its eyes upon them are obliged to appear there public opinion as from the height of a throne decrees prizes and crowns makes and unmakes reputations a support is wanted against the vacillations of ministers and this important support is only to be expected from progress in the enlightenment and resisting power of public opinion virtues are more than ever in want of a stage and it becomes essential that public opinion should rouse the actors it must be supported then this opinion it must be enlightened it must be summoned to the aid of ideas which concern the happiness of men m necker thought the moment had come for giving public opinion the summons of which he recognized the necessity he felt himself shaken at court weakened in the regard of m de maurepas who was still puissant in spite of his great age and jealous of him as he had been of m Turgeot. he had made up his mind he said to let the nation know how its affairs had been managed and in the early days of the year seventeen eighty one he published his compte rendu au roi. End of chapter fifty eight, part one.